I'm afraid that I gave uh, Dan quite the challenge this morning uh, with me singing. So that was the first time for me. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a little intimidating, I'll be honest. So thank you, Izzy, for leading, uh, leading the way there. So like recovering. Preaching is okay. Singing up in front. <laughs> well, guys, so... Um, we are actually at the very end of our Philippian series. You can jump to the next slide. We're coming to the end. So this is the last passage in Philippians. Uh, so I just want to congratulate those of you who have been here for most of it, getting to hear this book of Philippians. And so we're finishing up the last section today. And then on Wednesday, I would really encourage you to come on Wednesday night to our small group time. Because that's when we're going to look at the big picture of Philippians. I always think it's really good when you study a book of the Bible to take a step back either at the beginning or at the end and look at the book as a whole because it's really easy to get lost as you look verse by verse by verse of what the main message is of a book. And so on Wednesday at small groups, that's what we're going to be looking at is the big picture of Philippians. So I encourage you to come back on Wednesday um, to look at that. Now before we get into the passage, I'm going to challenge, see, see how some of your Bible memory is, okay? Does anybody know by heart Philippians 4.13. Alright, I'm going to jump to you, Naomi. You know it? Yeah. Okay, can you tell it to us? Awesome. Okay, give a round And hers wasn't the only hand that went up. She knew it. Okay? Now, the question is, what do you think that verse means? Okay, our translation, the ESV says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So we want to, that's kind of the main verse that we're going to look at. But what does that mean? Any thoughts? That's why God's the battery and we're pushing us forward. Okay, so yeah, we're like the energizing bunny is the one who keeps us going maybe, okay. All right, well let's take, take a look at the next slide here. All right, I picked a few pictures off of the internet that, you know, came up with this. And so here we see, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, like ice climbing, right? Like we can ice climb through the power of God hanging, you know. Look, he's even higher than that mountain behind him. Look how high he is. Wow, it's amazing. Okay? Let's go to the next slide. We have this. So it's like, I think it's trying to say, you can eat pizza and still get muscles or something like that. I don't know what I mean. That pizza can lift weights because of Christ. That's what we should take away from Amen. 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 Alright, let's look at the next one. Yes. Yeah. 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 Okay, so what do these pictures communicate that this verse means? What do these pictures communicate that this verse means? What do you guys think? Huh? Physically strengthened. Yes, okay, so we, we see a lot of physical strength here, right? Okay, so it's like, if you have Jesus, I don't know, maybe we should all be at the gym getting buff, like Jesus makes you buff. Okay? Isn't that, is that what this verse means? 
Okay? It kind of sounds like it. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I remember during the Olympics one year, there was a pro wrestler out there who had, you know, in his belt and it said Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, which in the context, it's like I can win the Olympics because Jesus gives me strength. And Tim Tebow, Tim Tebow likes to put his, like, black eyeliner, he has Philippians 4.13 on it, okay? I can do all things, like, I can, even I, Tim Tebow, as, as bad as I am at football, can win football games. I'm allowed to say that, he played for my team, he was bad. Okay? And we won football games because Jesus is real and plus the team. No, I don't think that's necessarily why we're winning football games, okay? But I want us to point out that this is what most people think this verse means. That because of Christ, we are all, we can all be like little miniature supermen or superwomen. We can climb the highest mountains, we can lift the heaviest weights, we can accomplish our greatest goals. Okay? Now, the problem is, that's not what Paul is saying. That's not his point here. How do you know what Paul's point is? How do we find out what Paul is really saying when it comes to what he writes in the Bible? What's, anybody have a technique for us? How should we figure out, go about figuring out what this really means? Uh-huh. The context, exactly, okay? We need to look at what Paul is talking about when he says this, don't we? Okay, there's a saying in um, interpreting the Bible, it's context is king. I want you guys to say that. Context, context is king. king, okay? So let me give you an example of how context is king. Let's say I'm standing in the youth room, I'm talking to someone, you walk in the door and you hear me say, I killed someone! And you know what? I don't even feel bad about it. Okay? You run out the door, notify the authorities, and within minutes I'm handcuffed and being taken away. But if you'd come in just a few minutes earlier, you would have heard this. My Aunt Bertha came into town this past week, and whenever she comes, she always wants to give me a huge, wet kiss right on the lips. Who does that? It's so gross. So this week, when she got to my house, I ran to my room and locked the door, and now she's all upset. I don't see what the big deal is. It's not like I killed someone, and you know what? I don't even feel bad about it. <laughs> kind of different, right? Okay, maybe I shouldn't be in jail. Okay, so you see the context of when you hear something, it matters. What you're saying around it actually matters. It helps you to understand what's being said. So, we need to look at the context. We need to ask, what is Paul saying? So if we go to the next slide, okay, we're going to be looking at Philippians 4, 10 through 13. We'll start in verse 10. It says, I rejoice in the Lord greatly, that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You are indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. So Paul begins the section by saying this. To the Philippians, I am so happy that you're concerned for me. Okay? And he goes on to say, it's not like you weren't concerned for me, but now there's an opportunity for you to show your concern for me. What's the opportunity? Where's Paul? Yeah. I've asked this question probably like 50 times at this point, so you guys are good. Same answer. He's still in jail, okay? Paul is in jail, right? And so Paul's saying, I, by being in jail, there's an opportunity for you to show how much you're concerned about me, Okay? But Paul wants to be very careful. He wants to make sure that the Philippians aren't like, oh, poor Paul, you know, we've got to get out, we've got, we've got to send a rescue party, we've got to get him out of jail, we've got to break him out. No, so he says this next. The next thing he says is this. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, 
So he wants to make sure they know that, thank you so much, you sent me a gift from Epaphroditus, it's great, it's helped me out, but I want you to know that not that I'm in need, for I have learned, in whatever situation I am, to be content. I have learned to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So there's our voice. There's our verse, okay? Our verse at the end there. So, in the context here, Paul isn't talking about weightlifting. He's not talking about winning the Olympics. He's not talking about climbing mountains, is he? What's he talking about? Well, he's saying, I have learned in whatever situation to be content. Paul is talking about contentment. What does it mean to be content? Yeah? It means to be perfectly fine with what you have. Okay, that's a good definition. Yeah, it means you're satisfied with what you have, right? You don't feel like you have to go and get more and more and more to make you happy. You're happy with where you're at, right? And so when does Paul say that he's content? Yeah, every situation up there, here he says, any and every circumstance, right? So Paul's saying, I have learned how to be content no matter what. I'm content no matter what the situation. And he has two kind of different scenarios here. He says, I've learned how to be content when I brought low. Okay, so think about brought low, which goes with facing hunger. Okay, this is brought low, and need. Okay, so need, hunger, brought low. Basically, I know how to be content when things aren't going well, is what Paul's saying. And Paul says, I know how to be content when I abound. Okay, so when I have lots of stuff, when I abound. Everybody, when I have plenty, and when I have an abundance. And you might think about those things for just a second. He says, I know how to be content when I have like nothing, and I know how to be content when everything's there. And when you think about that, you might be like, well, yeah, one of those is really easy, and one of those is one really hard, right? You might say, like, it's really hard to be content when you don't have anything. But I mean, really, how hard is it? be content when you've got all this stuff. But Paul wants us to see before he moves on that actually the secret of contentment needs to be applied perfectly in both of these situations. Okay? So when you are without, you see your friends having all this stuff, you don't have it, even if you were without food, without shelter, you know, there's a lot for you to think, man, if only I had this, I could be happy, right? But the problem is, even when you have lots of stuff, and you have everything, sometimes it's even worse. Sometimes you look around and you see all this stuff and you still don't have. And you still want more. Okay? So Paul wants us to see that the secret of contentment applies in all of life's situations. And that's what Paul is talking about. Paul is saying, I can do all things through him who strengthens me to say, I know how to be content no matter what my situation is. Alright? So that's where we're headed. And it's going to be through him that he finds his contentment. Okay? Now, before we get to this final verse, let's go ahead and apply it to our lives. Let's get to this part. Where are you discontent? Okay, so I want you to think for a minute. Where am I discontent? And if you can think of three areas, you can mentally think of them or you can write them down on your piece of paper, that'd be great. I'm not going to ask you to share them, okay? But I would love for you to think, what are three areas right now that I am discontent? What are three things that I maybe have thought, if only I could get this, then I would be happy. Then I would be happy. Okay, so it might be a possession, something you've been dreaming about. Uh, maybe it's uh, a milestone you can't wait to reach. Driver's license, becoming a teenager, graduation, 
Uh, maybe it's you know a relationship that you want to see change. You know, if only this got better, then I would be happy. Okay, so think about three things. I really mean it. If you have a phone, I think you guys all have phones. Get out your phone, open a note, write down three things where you're discontent. Because this is real life stuff that we're talking about, right? Yeah. And it would be kind of pointless for us all to come in here, sit down, and just listen to Nick yakety yak up here for a little bit, and then forget everything. Okay? So we want to take God's word and let it change us. So we want to. We're going to have some application right here on your phone or your piece of paper that you can look at at the end of today and think, how can I change this? Okay? All right. So discontent. What do you guys think is the greatest cause of our discontent? What causes us to be discontent? What do we see? What do we hear? Where are we getting discontentment from? Yeah. Like worries and problems. Okay, yeah. So we have things that cause us worries and problems, and we think if only these things were just either gone or different, it would be better. Yeah. Jealousy. Okay. And what brings about jealousy? What makes you jealous? People posting. How you don't have this and you want it more than they want, than they have it. Okay, did you say posting? So like you're talking about Facebook? Boasting. Boasting. Oh, I'm sorry. Boasting. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds very similar. Yeah. Okay, so con listen. One of the main causes for discontentment is other people. Just talking to other people, right? Or seeing what other people have. Right? We see what they have and we want it. it Facebook is another place where, I mean, Facebook is where we love to go on Facebook. And, you, like, you know, you post your picture of you and your new car. And everyone sees it now. And they say, oh, they have a new car. And now I kind of want it. I didn't even know that that car existed before this picture, but now I want it, right? So, you got that. Um, okay, so let's ask, are things the problem? Is the fact that there's all these things in the world, is that the problem? No, no, things are not a problem. It's that we want those things that's the problem, right? So the problem is not just that we don't have certain things, the problem is that we want certain things, and we believe that if we have those things, we'll be happy. We'll finally be happy. Now, did you know that advertisements, a lot of advertisements, are created with the goal of making you discontent with what you have? Alright, so I've got a few videos here, a few examples. I can't okay. see. So, first one, we're going to watch this one. Except, it feels different. Now you press lightly peak and deeper to pop. It changes how easily you can peak a flight. Check a post. Search for dinner. Ooh, you guys are going to love that place. You can find a getaway easier. Yeah, go there. And find music easier. Wait, are you listening to your own song? 
had no camera. Okay? And then the next year, they come out, or the next month, they come out with an iPhone 4 that has a 5 megapixel camera. So here's the deal. Apple knows that the camera, I mean, do you think Apple is so generous that they're constantly putting the best technology into every new phone that they come out with? The answer is no, they aren't, okay? They're constantly making the phone just a little bit better than the last one when their technology is way out here because they know if we can just release this phone every year and make it a little bit better every year, people will just keep buying. They'll be discontent with what they have and they have this endless amount of money coming in. Okay, And they're feeding off of the fact that we as humans are constantly discontent with the old and we want the new. We want what everybody else has. So, how do we learn to be content when we live in a world like this that feeds off of our discontent and that tries to make us discontent? Well, first, we need to look at what our discontentment shows we believe about ourselves. Okay, what do we believe about ourselves when we are constantly chasing after the next thing to make us happy? Well, it shows us that we think happiness comes from what we have, right? Happiness comes from when all of our relationships are perfect. Happiness is achieved when we're just a little bit older and we have our driver's license and a little bit older and we graduate a little bit older and we're in college and a little bit older and we have our first job and finally like, are on our own and then it's a little bit younger. Okay? You, just, you just completely skip the happy phase and now you're, if only I was a little bit younger back when I was in my 20s. I was just a little bit younger, okay? So discontentment all the time is teaching us that we think that happiness is dependent completely on our situation, which means, the bottom line is this, our discontentment teaches us that we've decided that we will never be happy. Okay, that's what we think about ourselves. We think that the human plot in life is to never be happy, and so we're always discontent. Now, is this true? Do you guys think that's why God created us? To live a life of unhappiness and discontentment. Okay, so let's look at what does this discontentment teach us about God? Well, it communicates about God when we're always looking for the next thing to make us happy. It communicates that our happiness depends on, maybe we're a good Christian and we have a relationship with God, but our happiness depends on God plus iPhone 6S. Okay? Or God plus my own car. Okay? So what we're communicating to God when we're constantly discontent is that God is great maybe, we like being a Christian, we like having a relationship with him, but he's not enough. We need God plus something else in order to make us happy. Now, is that true? Again, is that true? No. Did God create us to run after things knowing that he couldn't ultimately make us happy, and that we would really need to be happy by getting something in addition to him? And Adam has said no, and I agree. So what did God create us for? Well, God created us for a relationship with Him, right? This is our greatest need. Our greatest need is to be united with God in a loving relationship. What is it that keeps us from fulfilling this? Sin, right? It's not not having the newest gadget, okay? So sin is what separates us from God. It's not our lack of stuff. And so the problem with being discontent all the time is that when we look at and desire possessions, we belittle and we ignore the fact that there's this humongous hole in our lives 
that sin has created, and the only thing that can fix that hole is a Savior, is Jesus, and not more stuff. So when we understand that our greatest need is God, and when we see that God is incredibly interested in our happiness, which is why Jesus came, is so that we could have joy. He says, I have come to give, in, give you joy abundantly. Okay, so Jesus came so that we would have joy in this relationship with God. It's not like God is just, you know, a cruel uh, Lord who just wants everyone to love him and he gives nothing in return. Okay? He wants us to love him and be in relationship with him so that we can be happy. Because he knows that if we try to fill this hole with stuff, we are never, ever going to be happy. We're going to just keep dumping it in, dumping it in, and we're going to get farther away from the solution. All right? So God created us to be happy in him. So going back to Paul, Paul said he learned the secret to being content in all situations, and the secret is this. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So what does that mean? It means that no matter what your situation is, Jesus and Jesus alone is enough to make you happy. You don't need Jesus plus your driver's license, Jesus plus the newest gadget, Jesus plus a boyfriend or a girlfriend, just Jesus. He is God's solution to our discontentment. And the reason for this is because we were created to be in a relationship with God, and only Jesus can make that possible. And our problem is sin, and only Jesus solves that problem. And when we are in need, let's say that you don't have food, you don't have shelter, you don't have water. Let's say that you don't have the newest phone. Let's say that someone you love passes away. When you have Jesus, you can still say, those things are not my greatest problem in life. My greatest problem in life is sin and separation from God, and Jesus solves that problem. And that can give you the strength that you need to be content when you don't have very much. Or, when you live in abundance, and you have everything, you live in a nice neighborhood, you have a nice car, you have a nice phone, uh, and a commercial comes on TV telling you that you need a newer car, and you need a newer phone, and you need cooler friends, you can say, I don't need another thing, because Jesus is enough. And just Jesus is enough. And I don't need something else in order to make me happy. Now those things are easier said than done, so let me end by giving you a few points to achieving the secret of contentment, okay? The first thing I want to point out is that it says Paul learned the secret of contentment, which means it took time. This isn't something that you just get one day and you're like, oh, okay, I'm sorry, I've been discontent my whole life, I guess I'll just be content now, because it says to be. No, it's something we have to learn. We have to do stuff in order to achieve contentment. So how do we do that? First thing I'm going to encourage you to do is to give your discontentment to God. So you've got these three things on your phone written down or your piece of paper. You start by telling God what you're discontent about. You're not complaining to God about God. You're not saying, why didn't you give me this? Why not? But God can take our discontentment. And so you tell him, God, I really, I mean, like in the depths of my heart, I want this. I, I just know that it's not the thing that's going to ultimately satisfy me. So I give it to you. I give it to you. I give it to you. You do that daily, okay? Then you ask God for new desires. So you give God your discontentment, and then you ask him for something new. I desire the phone. I desire this relationship. I desire to be at this point in my life. Take those away from me. Give me a different desire. 
It says in Matthew 5, 6, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be, dis- for they shall be satisfied. There's one area in life where it is good to be discontent. And that is our current spiritual state. We should always be discontent with where we are at spiritually. Not in this way that you're saying, oh, woe is me, I'm such a sinner. No, because Jesus is forgiven your sins. But the state that says, like Paul said, I press on to know that towards the goal of the upward calling of Christ Jesus. I want to know you more. I want to know you more. I want to be more righteous. I want to be more like you. I'm discontent with the sin in my life. And God loves to answer that prayer. So we ask God, let me be discontent about the right things. Let me desire righteousness, not a new car, not a new farm. And then thank God for what he's given you. Okay, so when you constantly see commercials, when you constantly see things on Facebook from your friends that show you, you need this, you need this, you won't be cool until you have this, you won't be happy until you have this, stop for a second and think about what you have. Think about what you have and thank God for what you do have. And thank him especially that you have Christ. And finally, Trust that God knows that you need, uh, knows what you need, and wants to provide for you. Paul ends this letter by saying this, And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in Christ Jesus. So he tells the Philippians, I've learned how to be content all the time, and guess what? Guess what kind of God we serve? We serve a God who gives you everything you need. So you don't have to worry. You can be content knowing that God knows what you need, and he's going to give it to you. And he's given it to you in Christ Jesus. So God knows what you need. He knows that Jesus is the only answer that can satisfy all that you need. So as we close today, um, I'm going to give us just one minute to pray. Silently. And I want you to pray silently. And I want you to do what we just talked about. I want you to give God your discontentment. And I want you to ask God for new desires. Ask him for the things that he loves to give And then thank him for what he's given you and trust that he knows what you need and will provide for you. Let's go ahead and pray silently. Father, we confess that we are easily uh, made discontent by the things that we see around us and we long and chase after those things that cannot make us happy. So I pray that you would give us the grace to chase after righteousness and more of you, pressing on toward the goal of the upward call of Christ Jesus, that we would long for the things that you love to give and would you change our desires for those things and away from the things that cannot satisfy us. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks for coming, guys, and we will see you on Wednesday, hopefully. Have a good week.